Welcome back to the Financial Success Show. Once again, I'm your host, Jeff Eady, after, uh, back after a Welcome couple of weeks off. Thanks, Kirky. You it's, were missed. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It's nice to hear that from you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I was uh, gunning for your job, but that didn't work out. <laughs> One day, my friend, you are being groomed. So, uh, yeah, we've had a, I've had a couple of weeks off. Uh, my, my good man Kirk here has been running the show. Thanks, yes, Kirk, sir. for filling in for no me. No worries. I had I, a lot of fun. Uh, very much appreciated. I would have liked to have actually done the show from the fun and the sun down in Mexico. Yeah, but We were all a little bit jealous of you. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of shout-outs. <laughs> I, uh, I actually was on a plane both times that the show shot, unfortunately, uh, schedules being what they are. That's all right. But, uh, hey, I'm glad to be back. I'm, I'm wintering in Brampton. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Well, so far I haven't hit any snow. <laughs> but uh, big day today. We got the Dig It 10th Huge anniversary day today. party I know. tonight. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's be a lot of ten, fun. Ten years, uh, ten years strong. Ten years young. Uh, Claudia Harvey, the CEO, and Craig Dunkerley mm-hmm. uh, throwing the party tonight. The Crooked Q down in uh, Bloor West Village should be a very good night. Lots of people coming out. Yeah. And uh, ten years is always something to celebrate in business. It is, and I hear they have a pool table there too. So. Uh, Kind of implied in the name. Kind of implied in the name. Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. That's true. Also, uh, this Saturday being December 1st, oh my goodness, it's, uh, know, right? it's Christmas. Uh, <laughs> we also have Claudia Harvey has her uh, boot camp coming up. The she idea does, of a boot yes. camp. Uh, sorry, I have an idea boot camp. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I can't make it. I'm, I'm upset, but we got a couple yeah. people from the office going. It should be we very do. good. It's going to be an interesting day. It's all about, you know, if you have an idea, taking that idea and making it into reality. That's uh, yeah, like a product idea yeah. is my understanding, which yeah. is is pretty cool. So I'm uh, I'm excited to hear lots about that. I'm going to get lots of great feedback, I'm sure. Number and if of you guys want more going. information about that, it's on our Facebook page as well. Um, you can also find it on Eventbrite. Um, but we will also post the link as well at the bottom in the comments. It's probably easier. Yeah. <laughs> It is. You know, I was speaking, and I was like, wow, this idea just came to my mind. Why am I speaking this? Come back to me. Then no. <sighs> Anyhow. Well, welcome back, Jeff. Yes, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. And uh, as we're back, it's kind of about to launch the second phase of our mortgage brokerage and about to get into some new worlds. Yes. Uh, we're going to do a, a little bit of a different format today, and Kirk's going to ask me some questions mm-hmm. instead of me asking yeah. uh, guest questions and Kirk filling in uh, the blanks be for us. We're all together because I have some questions about the private lending side of mortgages, and uh, I'm interested to hear Oh, well, my goodness. Thoughts. I hope I can answer them. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, well, as we're putting it out there, we're, we're just getting rolling. We, we launched, uh, as many people know, the residential commercial side to Black Door Mortgages and Investing, um, powered by Mortgage Alliance, which is uh, very exciting. We're open about two and a half months now. We've had a number of very satisfied clients come through the doors. Uh, some great, great relationships that we're forging with uh, uh, Greg and Steve Gilmore over at Reed. Max. Um, they've been instrumental in getting us off the ground and introducing us to all of their people. So, big shout out to them. And of course, Jonathan Tilger, our, our broker partner. Of course, can't and, Jonathan. And, and uh, of course, Samantha Batchin, who is near and dear to our heart. That lady is. Yeah, I've been trying to get her on the show, but for some reason, she <clears throat> keeps running away. It might be you. It might be. 
<laughs> it might be so so that being said the residential and uh, commercial side being open we're working diligently to uh, dot our t's and cross our i's mm-hmm. i know i said that wrong it was yeah, on purpose you uh, <laughs> okay. you know. uh, in order to get the private lending side open so i think uh, a large part of what we do here not i think i know a large part of what we do here is is the mandate of education first and yep. putting the information out there i totally believe that by providing as much free information information as possible mm-hmm. um, people will pay for the details of course and um, now that we do have the private lending side starting to roll it's not quite there but it's very close we might as well start with the education first so that by the time we are ready people are, are educated knowledgeable and, and ready to go yeah, with us so let's get into it so what is private lending like how does it all work take me from point a to point b well it's lending privately I know, uh, no. what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, no it's uh Private lending in mortgages, uh, I mean, there's several types of different uh, different types of private lending. You can look at something like the exempt market, which would be technically private lending or private equity. Uh, we're looking at private lending mortgages specific because it has uh, a degree of safety that most other uh, uh, investments don't have. And the safety comes from being able to register your name on title to the property, which gives you full recourse. Uh, should something happen, you can force a power of sale on the property or, or the person administering the funds can force a power of sale on the property. And, and that's really what I like about it. Um, being in the economic times that we're in, uh, when you look at stock investing, um, and index fund investing yeah. and, and stuff like that. What you're really doing is you are lending your money to a company, but there's no recourse. That stock could go to zero, yep. and you have no recourse in, 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 in order to get your money back. And we've seen that happen with uh, uh, the, the stock market crash in the 1920s. We saw it back in the 80s, uh, and as recent as 2008, we saw that happen where people were losing a ton of money with no recourse. So what private lending and mortgages is is allowing you to place registered, non-registered funds mm-hmm. into an arm's length mortgage transaction. Okay. Now I, I see the confusion yeah, in your eyes. Yeah, I was going to say, break that down a little bit. <laughs> what arm's length means is if I have an RRSP, yes. I cannot lend my own RRSP to me or my spouse. I have to lend it to somebody at an arm's length transaction. So I have to go through a mortgage brokerage Mm -hmm. or a mortgage administrator who can allow me to have an arm's length transaction. I could lend you my RRSP if I had one, which I don't, Um, but I couldn't lend it to myself or a spouse. So all arm's length means is- How come you couldn't lend it to- What's the rules? Seems like a really dumb rule. I didn't write the rules. Fisco, that wasn't me that said that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't write the rules. It's just the way that it is. It's your own money, but you can't lend it to yourself or a family member. Well, there are ways to take your own RSP out, but you can't leave. You have to pay the RSP back if you're you're borrowing it to buy your home, right? The first-time home buyer's program. What's your money? Why do you have to pay it back? Because it's a registered retirement savings plan, and that's just the rules around it. I don't write the rules, Kirk. I'm here to inform you of them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, I, I, you know what? And 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 this is this is actually an important distinction: is that you need to learn the rules of the game. Yeah. And once you know the rules of the game, you can actually play within those parameters. But until you know them, you can't play the game. It's like anything else. That's true. And that's, that's one of the, the, the most important things about understanding the registered funds and, and understanding that really a registered fund is simply a bank account with a tax strategy attached to it. 
uh, and and rules around how you can make money with that. I mean, an RRSP can only be invested in certain things. Yeah, you can't just go and invest it in. Uh, um, you know, you couldn't lend it to your buddy just for the heck of it. it has to be administered through a self-directed account, which has to go through either a trust company or a self-directed banking account. And there's all sorts of stuff around. It just seems it. way too complicated. Like there's so many different holes to jump through. And, and that's why most for, people like, don't do it. Well, yeah, I can see why. It's just a huge process. That you want, you want to know the good news? Yeah. I know how to do it, so I can help you do it. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and this comes back to the education factor, right? Um, when you first take out an RSP, you're sold on a lot of reasons why you should have an RSP. I remember when I was sold one. Oof. Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> uh, I was sat down in a room. I was 23 years old. and they... So like six months ago? Oh, funny. <laughs> Seven? Uh, nope. More than that. Twelve? Fourteen months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, oh yeah, that's right, yeah. No, I keep thinking I'm 25, but I'm not 25, I'm 24. Anyways, that's going off track. But I remember sitting in a room. So how can it be more than 12 months ago if it was last year? It was in the summer. Oh, wait, yeah, no, my math's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm awake. I swear I'm awake right now. Here, pinch me. Is this real life? I don't want to touch <laughs> you. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, goodness. I love you. I, I really know do. You do. I really I know do. you do. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I sat there and sat across from each other, and they gave me a slip of paper, and they went, look, this is what you need to do because this is what everybody else is doing. This is going to help you save. Mm. And that was it. Literally, that was it. You know, it's upsetting to me. Um, most likely the person that sold you or was trying to sell you the RRSP didn't understand why they were selling you the RRSP, just simply the I fact that, yeah, no, because that they had they literally to. said, okay, you have to do this and we're setting up this RRSP for you. This is what you need to do because this is what everybody else is doing. Yeah. That was literally how the conversation went. So can I tell you about my experience with an RRSP? By all means. <laughs> so a few years back, uh, and you know the story, I, I inherited $100,000 from my mom's estate, and I walked into the bank, and the first thing the bank told me was, you need an RRSP. Now, understanding what I know about RRSPs now, registered retirement savings plans, had I taken my $100,000 of tax-free money and put it into a registered retirement savings plan, when I went to take that money back out 40 years from now or 30 years from now, or, oh gosh, I guess it's only 25 years from now, but, uh, <laughs> shut up, Fabian. <laughs> I know, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> but had I gone to take that, that tax-free $100,000 out, mm -hmm. I would have been subject to a 30% withholding tax. So I would have lost $33,000 right just for taking my already tax-free money out of that account. That was problem one. So basically, it would be like me coming to you and say, hey, I have $100,000, hold it for me. And you just say, okay, perfect. I'm taking 30000 of it, though, for no reason. Essentially, yes, but it's because of the tax strategy attached to the registered retirement savings plan. Uh, you know I'm not a big fan of them, know, and, and yeah. here at Blackthorn, we are not a big fan of them. And, and, you know, it was interesting, actually. The other day, Craig was sitting here doing a training for us, and he realized something, and, and I realized it at the same time that he did. Um <clears throat> If you were to just originally pay the tax 
on your money and put it into a TFSA, mm-hmm. you're being taxed on what's, uh, sorry, you're being uh, um, uh, feed if you're investing through mutual funds, simply on the money that's there that you own still after tax. Yep. If you take that same amount of money and defer the tax with a registered retirement savings plan, the fees that you're paying are actually on the portion you own and the taxable portion that you oh, have wow. to give back. So you're paying on an extra 30% of money fees that you don't need to pay. That was crazy. That when, is crazy. When Craig and I realized that, I saw him drawing it out and he looked at me and I looked at him like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's extra money you're paying on money that the government's going to take anyhow. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons to not have an RRSP. That's just one of them. But the fact that you're paying more because you own that in in simple broker fees, that's insane to me. That's criminal. It sounds criminal. Well, I mean, let's 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 face it. Our our money system is uh, overly complicated, purposely complicated, yep. to need professionals to navigate the way through it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you said with the registered retirement savings plan and self-directing your mortgages and yes. all that. You have to pay somebody to do that. A because it's the law. You have to have somebody who will do it for you and knows what they're doing. But also B, it's not that complicated once you get the hang of it. But it's made complicated because that is the financial industry. You know, there wouldn't be an industry around it if it was simple. Hey, uh, you give me one shilling and I'll pay you two shillings back. That's pretty simple. Yeah. But when you start looking at the way that we're feed and taxed and basis points and tax strategies around the account and what you're allowed to invest in and what you're not allowed to invest in, of course, you need at least, the very least, you need a roadmap and a compass. <laughs> but uh, it's always better to have a guide, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's. Wow, how do we get to... I don't know. We went down the rabbit hole a little bit there. We took a weird turn there. So I'll go back to when I walked in and and was going to put my money into that registered retirement savings plan. So I knew that I I would lose $30,000 or $33,000 if I were to put my money into that. But not only that, it's now locked up for 25 years. I can't access that money for any reason unless I'm like completely broke and I still have to pay that withholding tax. It didn't make sense to me. And and the big reason is they want to give you a tax deferral on it. The guy had no reason for me to take tax-free money and put it into a registered retirement savings plan. That tells me that he didn't understand it. No. The next thing they told me to do was put it into a high-interest savings account, which was 1%, so that's high interest. (laughs) Thankfully, I didn't listen, and what I did do was put it into a TFSA. Yeah. Uh, tax-free savings account, which, in my opinion, a much, much better alternative to the registered retirement savings plan, and actually can't figure out why the government still lets us do these. It doesn't make sense to me. But uh, um, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, What does matter is making use of the tax-free savings account versus the RRSP. Um, The RRSP, the, the big thing they sell it on is the tax deferral. Now, if you have a business registered in your name, sole proprietor or incorporation uh, or corporation, you can take advantage of a lot of write-offs the government allows you legally to take as a business owner, especially sole proprietor if you have a business, uh, sorry, if you have a a job and you're a sole proprietorship, you don't need those tax deferrals from the RRSP. You can get the same advantages, but get them back this year. And not have to worry about a 30% withholding tax when you're 65. Oh, that's nice. And the biggest problem with registered retirement savings plans, in my opinion, is that people don't understand them. Yeah. 
Well, how did they all come about? These registered. Oh, let's not go down that route. That's 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 going to take me a while. All right. All right. Fine. All right. Let's look there at well, twenty after. Fine. Yeah. Give me a... <laughs> You like little... this, eh? You I like do. your history I lesson. I love my history. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, it's nice to have Sophie and, and Fabian here because I don't know if they know this. Oh. Um, we got to go back to look at the way that our entire industrial nation was formed uh, back before World War II. The whole system we have based on pensions and hours that we work and the industrial revolution that, that really shaped everything and, and even further from the, the, the industrial revolution was the, the invention of the assembly line, which I, I believe uh, Henry Ford is credited yep, for doing. He is. But back before World War II, uh, I believe it was Otto von Buren, which uh, I always get confused with Otto, Arm, van, Buren? Ar, uh, Otto van Buren or uh, Armin van Helden. Helden. I can't. I, I always have the. I, yeah, I didn't. I was never really a, a raver, but I do remember those guys. Oh Anyhow. man, <laughs> bring me back. <laughs> but yeah, okay, go on. Don't. <laughs> but um, basically, he created this system in Austria that said, "You." Um, we'll educate you for the first 20 years of your life. And then from 20 to 60, the next 40, you're going to come work for us in the factories. And then when you turn 60 years old, we're going to take care of you for the rest of your life. And they deemed it a pension. Sounds like a sweet deal to me. Heck of a sweet deal. And it was a great deal for the government, especially because what was the average life expectancy back then? 62. Exactly. 62 years old. So their pensions are paying out for two years. Everybody else in the workforce, no problems. However, the math stopped working sometime in the late 70s and early 80s. And that's when big business and the banks got together and started lobbying the government for change, for reform. Mm -hmm. And they figured out that they couldn't pay these gold-plated pensions they've been promising forever, so they needed an alternative which became the Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And, and I love it when you're talking to people who are a little bit longer in the tooth, and they actually remember um, the ads that, that got put out back in the early 80s, where take care of your retirement, the company's not going to take care of you when you're older, take, take the power of your retirement back in your hands, and they poured millions and millions and millions of dollars into these things. And if you talk to people who are, I would say, 40 and younger, mm-hmm. You'd probably be skewing about half have an RSP and half don't. 30 and younger, you're oh. probably less than a third, yeah. maybe even a quarter that would have an RSP. And most of those would be company-sponsored. Whereas if you talk to somebody in 1988, um, we had a lot more people working in factories, yeah. a lot more people had pensions, and a lot more people were putting money into their RSPs because I saw those pensions disappearing. Yeah. Now, anytime I speak in front of a room, you might might get one or two people to put up their hands they actually have a pension and you'll have a couple of people that say they have working here for almost seven months now and yet to this day i've yet to meet one person that has a pension uh you've met a couple have i yeah i know of a couple off the top of my head you just haven't asked them the question i'm aware you have to also look at the vocation if you're working for city uh for government uh teachers police doctors they still uh not not necessarily doctors, but uh, anybody that works for the municipality or works for they government, still they still one. have pensions. Okay. Uh, some factories still have them, but very, very yeah. rare nowadays. It's mostly government municipal employees that, uh, that have those pensions. And, and, you know, very lucky for them. I, I hope they do continue in the same vein that they have for the past, you know, number of years. But... 
the fact of the matter is pension funds do go bankrupt in, in times of turmoil. And, and, well, quite frankly, we're heading for a time of turmoil in the next little bit. So I've just steered us into okay. scary waters. I guess yeah. I should. Uh... <laughs> uh, let's bring it back. <laughs> no, no, let's talk about that. That's important. That's actually yeah, extremely right. important to talk about. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and this is exactly why we want to get into private lending. Now, well, that's actually one of my questions. With the way that the market's going right now, what is going to be driving people into the private market? Greed. <laughs> um, uh, and safety. You know what? Um, a lot of people I'm talking to, Craig Dunker, our CEO, mm -hmm. of course, um, the millionaire maker, as, yeah. he, as we like to call him. Uh, Craig has taken a number of courses, among them Phil Town and different types of, of market investing, index fund investing. And a lot of the big players are parking their money in cash now. They're, they're getting rid of their stocks, bonds, all that stuff, and parking it in cash. And that, to me, says there's some turmoil coming. Yeah, it's a sign. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, like when dogs start running around before a thunderstorm, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you, you know it's coming. You just don't understand why. Yeah. Um, and, and really, that is our mandate here, to help people see the indicators that are happening in the market right now. Now, I'm not a stock guy. Um, I do understand it to a degree, and I have some stock investments, not, not major, but... Yeah. What I do understand is real estate, and I understand the market here in the GTA and, and what it's gone through in the last few years. And after every boom, there is a what? Crash. A bust. Mm -hmm. A boom and a bust. It's a cycle. It happens all the time. And it's always going to be up and down. Forever it will be. The cool thing about real estate, however, is it very rarely goes to zero. It's true. If you structure properly, you shouldn't have to worry about the bust and boom that happens in real estate. Yeah. And that's one of the, you know, one of the big things we've had the, um, over the last few years, the Financial Services Commission of Ontario has come in and put in some regulations to try and help Ontario home buyers cool the market and all that. And in my opinion, uh, although the regulations would have helped three, four years ago, they came in too little too late. And what it's created is a gap in funding for a lot of people. So you have these people who three years ago bought into a home. Mm -hmm. And they've been house poor for three years. What I mean by that is they've got eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a month in mortgage. Holy. They can't afford to go out for dinner. Yep. And what's happened with the interest rates over the last year and a half? They've jumped a little bit. A little bit. Well, a lot. Yeah. Well, now, it doesn't seem like a lot. It's only gone up by a, uh, a percent and a quarter. 1.25. From a half a percent to one, uh, 1.75. Yeah. Yeah. To 1.75. So 1.25%. However, uh, a percent and a quarter jump doesn't seem like a lot. But when you actually figure out how much that is, it's like a 300 and something percent increase over a year and a half in the interest rate. That's just the Bank of Canada's overnight yeah. rate. If you look at actual mortgage rates, I think uh, Scotia is around 3.9 right now. And we got people who got into mortgages house poor at 2.4. Yep. <clears throat> Worse. They have to re-qualify under new rules, which means they have That's to true. qualify. The, the, uh, and I'm sure people have heard of the, uh, the B20 rule. Yep. Uh, B20 meaning you have to go through the stress test, which means uh, if you qualified for a million dollars two years ago, or heck, December 31st of 2017, December 31st of 2018, or January 1st, you actually only qualify for 750000 because yeah. it's going to be, <clears throat> give or take, about 25% less that you qualify for. So I ask you, interest rates are higher. 
you qualify for less, where is that going to drive people to get funding? Because anywhere, we know they're not going to send no, them. Anywhere I can find money. They're not going to sell their house. No. Nope. People are too stubborn to do that. They get attached to them. And well, I yeah, understand that. Family home. You grew up, right? You Abs- want to see your kids grow up in that house. Absolutely. But they bought at the height of the market. The house is going to be worth less as well. We didn't talk about that. No, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, I love, uh, I really want to connect with Michelle Makos. I don't know if, uh, I, you know what? Heck, I'm going to send her this episode nice. because All I right. love your tweets. Michelle, you're absolutely amazing. Your tweets are, are so informative. I agree with so much of what you say. It's, it's wonderful. People aren't talking about this, but the fact of the matter is houses are sitting on the market far longer than they were even six months ago. Yeah, it's very true. Moreover, they're reducing. We actually did a, uh, a meet and greet yesterday at, at a, an office with a bunch of realtors, and we started talking about this, and, and the nods on the head were pretty impressive. You know, the fact that, that the finance guys are sitting in the room talking about what's going on in their world as far as their home selling, uh, I think we caught their attention because homes are just not selling like no, they were not. a few months ago. And the indicators are all there that this is going to keep going this way because the interest rates are higher. Um, the other big thing is that, that people aren't talking about the baby boomers. No, and we didn't even touch on it. No. Well, and, and here's the thing. Let me backtrack. How much the baby boomers are affecting the market right now? The Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Dow 30, 30 companies that make up the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Out of the 30, one of them was removed this year. Do you know which one it was? Well, I do. General Electric? That's why I asked you. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you know what <laughs> replaced it? Walgreens. Yeah, Walgreens did. Everybody needs meds now. Not everybody. Boomers. The largest boom of population growth in the last 100 years, and they're moving into the age where they're affecting the market so much that a pharmacy company, not pharmaceutical, pharmacy, pharmacy. company, replaces General Electric. That's huge. That's insane. So what other markets are they going to affect? That's one of the largest index funds in the world. Mm -hmm. And we've seen the Dow drop by 1,500 points in the last month, which nobody seems to be talking about, which is just crazy to me. That's actually the first time I heard that. It was almost to 26,000, or was it 20? I think it hit 26,000. Now it's down around 24 and uh, and a half, which is crazy that nobody's talking about that. A 1,500-point drop is a big drop in the Dow. Anyhow... I'm not here to talk about the Dow. <laughs> That's another conversation. We'll bring Craig on to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, but the the thing that, that, that really is crazy to me is that the Dow Jones Industrial Average, they've removed a company to re- replace it with a pharmacy company. And that pharmacy company is selling pharm- uh, pharmaceuticals to boomers. They're not selling them to you or me. I don't have blood pressure medicine. I don't have arthritis. I don't have these things. I don't ever go to Walgreens, especially since they're not, I don't, know, I don't they're think they're in Canada. In Canada, yeah. though, Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I go to shoppers once in a while for shampoo. I was actually uh, shoppers yesterday to take Paige to get her flu shots. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. I don't yeah. want to talk about flu shots. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> She's trying to convince me to get one, but no. <laughs> Hard no. Sorry, Paige. Hard no. <laughs> but uh, um, so if the boomers are affecting the Dow Jones Industrial Average to that extent, how do you think they're going to start affecting the market, the real well, estate they market? If affect that, then. Now, here's the thing. I love, I love saying this because um, 
it, it's a, a cultural anomaly. Uh, okay. if, uh, here in Toronto specifically, if you doubt me that there's a lot of baby boomers here, drive down Dover Court on a Saturday morning and see all the little old nunas out there sweeping their front lawns and watering their, uh, watering their sidewalk. I know it's weird. They sweep the front lawns and water the sidewalk. It just is. Um, not so much in the winter, otherwise it's create a skating <laughs> rink. Weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... You drive down on a sunny uh, summer morning, and you see a ton of older um, Portuguese, especially in that neighborhood, uh, grandmothers and grandfathers who own those houses. They bought them back in the 70s. They don't care what the market's no, and doing. It's funny because I grew up in Burlington, right beside Burlington. It's Aldershot. And I went to school, uh, high school in Aldershot. And when I was there, there was one retirement home. When I left, and now there is four other retirement homes mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. That's a total of five, all in one corner area. Yeah, and how about the medical centers that go along with them? Oh, there's tons. Huge. Huge. Yeah, it's a massive market right now. Even uh, Yeah, like I there's look a Rexel, the, there's a Shoppers, there's a... Uh, doctors, like, optometrists. Uh, yeah, everything yeah. is like right there now. Absolutely, and that's that's good developing on the real estate uh, side. Yeah. The people who put that in there understand it. But even I go to my brother's hometown, uh, St. Thomas, and the only new development there is a retirement uh, yeah. community. And, and this is what people need to understand is that all of these boomers are now starting to transition over to retirement communities, uh, moving down south, wherever they're going. They bought a house back in the 70s for $30,000 downtown. Oh, Do wish. they care if they lost $100,000 on the value? No, absolutely not. not. They don't care. They're like, oh, well, I like, still I'm... made $750,000 yeah, on my house. <laughs> so they're just putting them on the market. At the time uh, that other people are trying to time the market because they figured it was just going to keep going up. Yep. So you've got an influx of houses on the market. You've got people qualifying for less mortgage and higher interest rates. That drives people into our private lending funnel. So it sounds like a good time to be in private lending. Here's the thing. Somebody is going to make money during this anomaly and it's not going to last forever no but those who see it coming are going to make a killing because people are too stubborn to give up their homes what they're going to do is go to the private lending market and they're going to look for stop gaps and understand that the way i look at it is i don't want to lend people money in and yeah my buddy calls it uh, loan to own loan to own loan to own that's not that's not the mandate here now, of course, our investors are the number one people that we have to protect because mm-hmm. they trust us with their money. But we have to make sure that there's a solid exit strategy when it comes to private lending. I don't want to say, yes, here's $200,000 on your home. In a year, you have to give that back to me plus 15% or we take your house. That's just a bad business model in my, my opinion. Yeah. However. So, yeah, go on. <laughs> well, no, however, um, if they need to get money from somewhere, where are they going to get it? The banks aren't going to give it to them. They already have to go through the the, the stress tests. So they have to go to a private lending uh, institution with an exit strategy. That's the number one thing. If you are going for private funds, make sure you've got an exit strategy. I had a friend uh, earlier this year reach out to me. She had a $94,000 second mortgage on her house. She didn't understand because the mortgage agent who put her into it did a very terrible job. And the mortgage industry is, it's pretty dirty. It's a lot of it is based on, on hoping that people are doing the right thing for people. But she had a $94,000 second mortgage which was a private loan, and it was an interest-only loan. Oh, Meaning so she, she was only was paying interest. Only paying the interest for the year. She wasn't paying any of the principal. No principal. At the end of the year, she calls me, and she's like, I don't understand why, why I still owe the whole oh, amount. Oh, man. And I said, let me take a look at it. 
and she wasn't to explain that you still owe that $94,000 at the end of the year. Now, I'm sure that broker uh, was happy to, to help her re, uh, re-extend re, it. Yeah. yeah, extend the loan, absolutely, and, and, and do a new contract. But the fact of the matter is she was in no better position. No. So if you do have to go to the private mortgage market for funding, it's extremely important to, A, understand the rules around it. It's very different from going for a traditional mortgage. Uh, it's interest only. You can borrow with an interest reserve, but you've got to make sure you've got an exit strategy. That's number one. Yeah. Because if you don't have an exit strategy, you're going to end up losing your home. So would the exit strategy be selling your home? Most cases, yeah. Is that the only strategy? No. Uh, you could look at increasing the value of the home through development, through uh, add-ons, through renovations, all of those things. I mean, there's lots of great strategies around it. Um, I've, I've been a part of many things where they said, okay, we need X amount of dollars to bring this up to code. It's going to bring it up to this price, and we'll be able to sell it there. Okay, that makes sense. That's an exit yeah. strategy. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but for somebody who's saying, I have a million-dollar home, I only qualified for a quarter of what I had on it, uh, I need $200,000 to, to uh, do a new mortgage, and they go to the private market just hoping to hang on, yeah. that's not a good that's loan. That's not an exit strategy. No, it's not an exit strategy. Well, it, it, well, it is. It, it's, <laughs> it's just a bad exit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like with all of this happening, it's creating the perfect storm, and for somebody that's looking for it, could make a lot of money on the investing side of it. How does somebody get involved to be an investor in private mortgages? Call us. Call us, that's <laughs> it. Is there like a maximum or a minimum that you can invest? Like how does that all work? Uh, it all depends on the brokerage. Uh, it depends on who's administering it and all that stuff. I mean, there is there are fees that are attached to it. If yeah. you've got a, uh, if you have to do a self-directed account, um, most banks won't let you self-direct through a private mortgage. They'll let you self-direct a, a registered account. Let me back up. So there's two types of ways to invest. There's okay. cash. Yeah. Okay. And there's registered funds. So you do have to go through a registered fund then. No, you don't have to. If you got cash, you got the cash. You go on hand, the you cash. The cash. If you got a registered fund, you have to go through a self-directed registered fund. Okay. Um, excuse me. In the past, I've dealt with Olympia Trust. Mm -hmm. And basically what they are is a bank account that has the ability to direct your funds in the way that you choose. So they self, you self-direct. You say, hey, I've got X amount of money. I want to put it on this mortgage. And they allow that those funds to be released once the proper paperwork is filled out and all the administration is done. And for that, they charge a fee. Yeah, of course. But it's not a ridiculous fee. However, you got to make sure that it's making sense. If you got two grand in an RSP and you're paying $500 a year for, for a self-directed account, not worth <laughs> nah, it. Yeah, no. Nah. But if you've got 50000 sitting in an RSP and you're, you're you know, losing money on your mutual funds, because, uh, well, I have my opinions about those. Well, but, uh, we don't have that much time, Jeff. <clears throat> no, we do not. But the fact of the matter is you can self-direct into a private mortgage. And once you self-direct into a private mortgage, you're taking advantage of usually much higher rates than you're going to get uh, anywhere else mm -hmm. because GICs are not paying out 8 9 10% like a private mortgage would. And here's the thing is you actually don't need to go through a uh, brokerage to do a private mortgage. Oh, really? You could, as long as, especially cash, um, if you're educated in how self-directing works, you can do it yourself, and I could loan you money. Right. Or I could just loan you money cash mm -hmm. on your mortgage, and I get secured on title, and that gives me full recourse. If you don't do what you say you're going to do, I can force a power of sale through a lawyer. Lawyers can also set up private mortgages. 
Oh, really? Yep. Oh, interesting. So that's kind of, it sounds like it's a really safe investment. Um, when you put it that way, right? Because you can enforce the power of sale if, you know, the other people don't hold up to their end of the bargain. And I, I hesitate to use the word safe when it comes to investing only because investing is gambling. Yeah. There are rules like blackjack. When you play blackjack, if you know the rules of the game, there are ways to mitigate your risks. But the fact of the matter is you might you might hit uh, 22 when you're showing, a, 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 you know, 14. And yeah. and it, look, it looks great. <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden you get that uh, that 10 on there. And, and, you're, and yeah, you're you're unfortunately out of the out of the game. And that can happen that's you know that's that's an important thing to understand with with everything that you do in when it comes to investing you could lose every dollar that you put in Mm -hmm. however by understanding the rules of the game by mitigating your risks you can you can come out a lot better than say somebody who just doesn't know they're getting feed to death they're getting taxed to death and they're letting somebody who really doesn't have their best interests in mind administer those funds in whichever way they feel suits them yeah and they're paying through the nose for a service that isn't producing you know that's the great thing about uh, private mortgages is they're they're slow and they're predictable and if it goes sideways there's recourse which you don't have with most investments you don't no you really don't you can lose it all well, I am looking at the time here, and we're just about out of time. I know she's looking away from me. Stop! I, th- I thought I had captivating eyes, Kirk. Beautiful, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so this no, this oh, has been man. fun. This is uh, I mean, there's a lot more we can get into. There's a lot, and I have a lot of questions here too. But I just saw the clock, and we are running out of time. Is there anything that you do want to touch on though before we sign off? Um, just make sure that the market's going silly right now. Uh, we're starting to see the first indicators of it. If you're refinancing your home, if you're taking money out, make sure that you're leaving a lot of padding in there. And what I mean by that is it is very possible, especially inside of Toronto proper, for us to lose 30% of our loan to val- uh, 30% of our home value overnight. Oh, it's scary. It is scary. It's okay as long as you've got the money still sitting in the in 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 the bank, which is the house. Yeah. Uh, if you're over leveraged, it's going to become a problem, and you're not going to be able to refinance it, and, and that's where the problem is. You know, instantly we like overnight we could see a million dollar home be worth seven hundred thousand, and if people have gone all the way up to eighty percent loan to value on a refi, and and they're trying to you know, do as much as they possibly can with as little money as possible, that's when they're going to get into trouble because the value of the home is going to be far less than what they owe on it. It's very preventable, though. Education is number one, but, yep. you know, we, we look at uh, anybody who comes to us to take out money to invest because we are still in a, an upside-down market where we're able yeah. to borrow money and lend it out at a higher rate. That's what's great about private lending. Mm-hmm. You're borrowing on a mortgage at 4% and you're lending it out at 8%. You're winning. That's $4,000. On $100,000, that's $4,000 of free money. Yeah. You know, you didn't earn it. You didn't have the money. You got to pay tax on it. Absolutely. But it's still free money. <laughs> exactly. How long does it take to make four grand if you go to work? <laughs> um, but just be careful. Um, we wouldn't let people go really yeah. above 60% loan to value if they're taking out money uh, just because the market's going to get a little squirrely for a bit. It's not, it's not going to be 2008 all over again, although the States has some weird stuff going on too. But here we're, we're fairly protected. Mm-hmm. Our, our regulars have done a good job. Just make sure you're not over leveraged. That's the big thing. 
And then uh, if you do get into trouble, make sure that you have somebody who's got a good heart who helps you get an exit strategy in, in, instead of letting you just ride and hold on and hope for the best. That means call us, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. wow, that's awesome. That's Thanks for all this education. That uh, fun. We'll talk offline about more stuff, but. That's fun. Nice. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, Kirk. I, I, I know you know a lo- uh, some of this stuff. and Yeah, but, you know, it's great to keep ingraining it in my brain. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Repetition is the mother of learning. It is. It is. (laughs) So let's talk about uh, just a couple of things we got coming up. Of course, tonight we have the Dig It 10th anniversary party, 10 years strong. Uh, Should be an exciting night. Uh, Also, next week, we have none other than real estate developer, um, realtor. uh, Gosh, he's been a rock star. Still is. Uh, Rock star. Yeah. Uh, he's a bass player for both the Forgotten Rebels and Sven Galley. He's open for the likes of Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. Really? He's also no been way. a okay. director of photography for several music videos. A uh, good friend of mine, Mr. Sean Minden, will be joining us in studio next week. Wow. Uh, very excited to have Sean yeah, on. That should he's, be an interesting show. Yeah, he's uh, a very good friend, and um, um, I've known him for quite a few years now. Very interesting guy. He actually is one of the people responsible for bringing the Hamilton market out of the dumps a few years ago yeah. with uh, the Corktown uh, townhouses. Yeah. And it's an interesting story. He actually has uh, has gotten some guidance from some very savvy investors, uh, one of them being George Ross from the Trump Organization, was one of his mentors. Uh, but I love it because Sean talks about all the... Uh, difficulties and all the naysayers when mm-hmm. he first did his uh, his first project. He's done two or three now, uh, all of them successful. And the neighborhoods that he went into, moreover, have completely changed in Hamilton. And he's one of the people I feel, at least, that were per- that were directly responsible for the rehab that's taken place in uh, Hamilton. And, and oh my goodness, houses are way more expensive than they were about five, six years <laughs> ago. Are, yep. And uh, I, I do believe Sean had a, a, a major hand yeah, in that. So that's I'm, cool. That'll be a fun show to do. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Uh, and then, of course, always uh, you can download our Payless Tax book at PaylessTaxBook.com. You can. Uh, anything else I'm missing here, Kirky? Um, December 1st, we already talked about that. The, yeah, um, I have an idea. Boot camp uh money mastery on monday money mastery on monday uh yeah uh, sorry yeah. not money mastery millionaires, millionaires club. club sorry millionaires get it club. right uh <laughs> millionaires club that is our our quarterly uh i see sophie laughing thank you sophie for <laughs> whispering that uh no millionaires club that is actually our quarterly club that meets uh every four months three months that would be quarterly uh, your math's rubbing off on me. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back, Jeff. <laughs> that is our uh, our quarterly club that meets to discuss money and market and what's happening in the market. And uh, another big one that uh, that like that's going to be a heck of an event. But uh, Fabian be. was just distracting me by holding up his phone. This is huge. I know. I, Spotify. I, <clears throat> Spotify. iTunes. iTunes. Uh, SoundCloud. Google Podcasts. We uh, are we're everywhere. everywhere. Don't don't don't. You no. can't get rid of us. <laughs> we see you when you're I, sleeping. <laughs> we know when you're awake. It's just creepy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I know it's Christmas. It's the holiday season, still creepy. Man. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know what? Our, our our guys behind the scenes here, Sophie and Fabian, have done a fantastic job. Yeah. Kudos Good to job, you guys. Boys. Anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, you can find us. iTunes, Spotify being the biggest ones. Yeah. Financial Success Show and Blackthorn Group. Uh, amazing, guys. You guys, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. So thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, Kirk, any words before we sign off? Uh, just welcome back. Glad to have you back. Yeah, thanks. I uh, I really enjoyed Mexico. Oh, <laughs> funny story. Before we okay. go, um, this is actually uh, one of those six degrees of separation things. So I'm snorkeling off the coast of Cozumel, and uh, which sounds really exotic. But it does. It, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like, oh, is that like in Fiji? Like, kind of, like it was really cool, man. Yeah. Like it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. So we're snorkeling. We're doing all these reefs and jellyfish and and and. Stingrays and all these cool things. Barracudas, giant barracudas. Oh, really? They look like muskies. That's cool. crazy. Um, so we're on this boat, and uh, after everything's done, we're on our way back. And the woman sitting across from me says, hey, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Toronto. She says, Toronto? Well, I'm from Hamilton. I said, well, gosh, Hamilton, you must know my hometown <laughs> of Dunville. She looks at me. She's like, I grew up in Dunville. Kelly? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was my buddy Eric's mom. Last time I saw her, she booted us of her, uh, booted us out of her garage when we were like 17 for drinking beers. <laughs> you want to say that on camera? <laughs> yeah, I was doing you know, whatever. But, you know, I was a teenager. We were just having some beers in yeah, the garage and playing we'll music. And I got, so I haven't seen her in over 20 years. Wow. We're on the same uh, snorkeling tour off the coast That's of Cozumel. That's a cool experience. Was she staying at the same resort, too? No, she was actually staying on the island of Cozumel. Uh, uh, Cozumel. in Cozumel and uh, I was staying over on the um, near Playa del Carmen but uh, very like that's so cool six degrees of separation wow. here I am halfway across the world never been to Mexico in my life and there's somebody who knows my mom or knew my mom. That's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So on that note, that was that was a, the, probably the coolest thing down there. Of course, I met my buddy Ant, his beautiful wife Cher, his beautiful woman Sherry, uh, JD, and all the crazy French people from uh, from Moncton. You guys were absolutely amazing. I doubt you'll watch the show. Cause, hey, you never know. It's yeah. <laughs> but uh, just had an amazing time down there. And of course, going to celebrate. I was down there with uh, Craig Dunkley, our yes. CEO, uh, celebrating my friends Tim and Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany Tiffany Loya Fenton has, uh, I couldn't think of a better reason to, to celebrate. They asked us, you know, what are you guys down here celebrating? We want to punch in a promo code. And she says, how about not having cancer? <sighs> Funny thing, they didn't have a promo code for that. What? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after, you know, a decade-long struggle, very happy to say that Tiffany has gotten a completely clean bill of health. Oh, that's awesome. We were down there celebrating the fact that she is alive, healthy, Vibrant and just an incredible Full human life, being. Eh? Yeah. Wow. It was uh, a heck of a week. There were nine of us that went down there to celebrate. I'm very, very happy about that. Thank you, Tim and Tiffany, for organizing that. I, I, uh, I love you guys very deeply. That's our, our good friends in Costa Rica, actually, the people that introduced Craig and I to one another. So uh, that was a, a great event, and I, I can't wait to do that, do that again soon. That was awesome. Yeah. And uh, just a quick shout out Tiffany is actually getting a book published, Traditional Publishing. She, uh, she's gotten approved on a book. I don't know all the oh, details, yeah. but I do know that it's coming out. A traditional publisher has picked her up, and she's going to be uh, distributed and published sometime in the near, very near future. I can't wait to see that book. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Very, very so uh, on that note, uh, tune in next week. 
3 uh, p.m. Yeah, tune in next week, 3 p.m., live here on Facebook. Um, Payless textbook. And if you guys want to see... Actually, you know what? I don't think you'll be here Tuesday nights. It'll just be me. If you guys want to come visit me here at Blackthorn Tuesday nights at 7.30 p.m. for our FSC night, you can do that. One uh, last thing. We do have, coming up January 19th. Ah, uh, yes, January 19th. January 19th, our Financial Success Summit. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, it is selling out fast. Yeah, I know we're, we're, only, we're about a month and a half out. Um, just before those credit cards creep in after the holidays, learn how to mitigate all of that stuff. Get more money back. Stop paying ridiculous fees. Stop paying ridiculous taxes. And make interest work for you. We've got some of the brightest minds in the business working together to put that event on just for you. Uh, if you want to check it out, give Kirk a, uh, an email at uh, kirk at blackthorn-group.com. Or, or you can just go to financialsuccesssummit.com. Absolutely. Thank you for, right there. for short, shorting, shorting me there. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> like I said, Jeff. Like I said, welcome back. <laughs> Kirk, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for all no your problem. all your hard work, your insight, and, well, your generally pleasant demeanor. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Forsyth, our client relations manager, uh, signing off. Myself, Jeff Eady, uh, president here at Blackthorn Group. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week at 3 p.m. Cheers.